have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the Internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, we're going to be continuing this series, hashtag justice for Kim Womack. Y'all, this is part two. So if you didn't hear part one, um, I was getting to speak with Miss Catherine Simpson and Miss Frieda Mick, and they were telling it's it's Kat's mom, Catherine's mom, and Ms. Frieda's sister that um, Kimberly Womack, as I read in the beginning and the opening of first series it's an active homicide investigation out of point Capee parish louisiana and stay tuned at the end of today's show for more life real crime announcements okay so when i left y'all last we had just worked up to the point where the family members had been told that kimberly womack was dead now they had not been told she was murdered at this point in fact, Miss Frida said that she was told um, that Kim didn't have any injuries to her, and that, she slipped and fell. Okay, so let's let's back it up. Let's go back to the day. Now, what happened was you met, you got the call. Um, did you go to the sheriff's house before you went to meet? Her coming back from Texas? Yes. Okay, so tell me about that. You yep. go to the sheriff's office in Point Capee. Yeah, went to the Point Capee Sheriff's Office, and um, they asked. Who's they? Who uh, they the the about? sheriff's, um, let's see. Detective Robillard. Was it Detective Robillard? Okay. Yeah. Um, asked general questions. So they bring you in the office, and what, what did they say to you? Um, oh, we're so sorry. Right. You know. Right. 
Um, I can't remember. I don't think they said at that point whether they thought it was an accident or what. Um, when they brought you in, was your husband with you? Yes. Okay. And they say, hey, Miss Freedom, sorry to tell you, your sister's deceased. Yes. And um, they asked questions about, you know, if anybody that might have been around or anything, but um, they never let on that it was murder. No. I don't think they said anything, you know, more than she's dead. It may have been an accident or something. Right. But when they um, finally allowed us into the trailer. Wait, wait I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you. I mean, for the purpose of storytelling, you go there and they tell you that they think it was an accident. To the best of your recollection, don't, don't yeah. say anything you don't remember. But you remember if they told you immediately. Yeah, no, they did not. Right? They no, uh, no. Um, but you said they asked you maybe something about has somebody been around. You know, there were dis- there was a discussion, but I honestly really cannot remember. I, at that point, I was in chemo treatment. Mm-hmm. I was due for my eighth treatment right. shortly after she was killed. Right. So I had a lot going on. Right. Besides this, so trying to remember. Okay, well, it's just it. Just that meeting specifically before you go tell Kat, uh, Catherine what happened. Just they brought you in and say, Hey, we're sorry. Yeah, yeah, she's deceased. Um, I didn't know any of the facts when I told Catherine. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Well, that's, no. that's it. When that's- you told me, you said, um, Laura, the landlord who found her, said that she did not see any visible injuries. Yeah. Yeah, and there. Um, she also said there hadn't been anybody in right. and out of there because you would have to drive past her house. And, and you would have learned that during that. So that's when she told you that day. So you would have learned that at that meeting with yeah. the sheriff's office. Yeah, because Laura was the one that made the call. Her husband went down there and found Kim because he hadn't seen her in several days and knew that was unusual. So he went down to check on her and opened the back door and saw her and called Laura. To come down because she used to work for nine one one, I think. And then, um, and I'm losing track. That's and okay. Then, that's, <laughs> okay. that's okay. Listen. They called you, and uh, Laura. Laura had to talk to you at some point. Uh, well, let's well, let's go back to. We're gonna stick with this initial deal. They tell you she's deceased, right? Didn't appear. To didn't be, appear to be any. Foul play or foul play or anything. And yeah, then, they did not lead me to believe that right. somebody else had killed her. Right, and then, and then you leave and you go meet Catherine to Catherine to tell her in Baton yeah. Rouge. Okay, yeah. so Catherine, you, you said you go home. It's hard to process, et cetera. What is the next thing that happens with law enforcement? Or um, you just tell me what sure. what's the next thing you remember? So she was found on, my mom was found on a Friday morning. Um, And of course, on Friday, we weren't able to make it to the scene. We heard about the scene later. On Saturday, uh, I had a church event that I didn't, I just, I don't know. I felt like I needed to prove my, my loyalty to my church and my faith. And despite anything, I was still going to be there. And I regret that now. 
just because now I know there there was some foolery going on, to put it nicely. So yeah, but, but Catherine, there's there's nothing you could have done true. on that Saturday. Nothing okay. I could have done to nope. stop it. So on Sunday, we knew that the autopsy was being done, and then and, Monday, and how did you know that? How did we know that? They had to have told. They us. must have told us. Right. They had to have told yeah. us. Okay. Um, and then Monday, uh, August fourth. Uh, they called me and my Aunt Frida and my Aunt Darla in to give us the results of the autopsy. And who's they? Point Capiche Sheriff's Department. It was um, Detective Robillard, Detective Ed Guidros, Detective Lester Jaro, and a um, a Mark someone, I believe. Okay, so they bring you into the office, and yes. what did they say? They said, the autopsy showed that your mother slipped while she was preparing ice cream. She spilled chocolate syrup on the floor. She slipped in this puddle of chocolate syrup and fell and hit her head. This made her woozy, and so she stumbled to her back bedroom. And this is a back bedroom that she didn't use. Um, she stumbled to her back bedroom and lied in an awkward position on the bed, naked, and died from her head injury. Okay. Miss, Miss Fried, is that what you heard also? You were uh-huh. there for that? Yeah. And you're a... Your other sister uh-huh. also. So I'm going to repeat this. They bring you back in, and they say the autopsy shows she slipped in some chocolate syrup, mm-hmm. hit her head, stumbles into a back bedroom, nude, mm-hmm. and passed away. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We um. When we, we believed the, them. Yeah. We, believed, we didn't we, have any reason not to. These are police, right? These are... I guess especially if you're not a criminal and you don't have a lot of interactions with police and you don't know. For us at that time, it was these are priests. Well, these yeah, are saints. Absolutely. These are They're beyond line. You don't have any line. reason not it's to It's their job. Right. Right. Yeah. And they showed us the toxicology report. Um, they showed us the toxicology report, and there were three medications in her system. Now, of course, they were listed by their generic name, not the brand name. And I guess they were hoping we wouldn't recognize them. But I did. I recognized Celexa. They said, here's medication that was in her system that could have contributed to her being woozy. <laughs> so she had Celexa in her system, which is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Right, right. Won't cause right. wooziness with or without it. Um, she had Darvaset, which was, it's not made anymore because it's so ineffective. It's a like a high dose of ibuprofen type of pain right. medicine. And then she had caffeine pills. Caffeine. Right. And I... I at the time they showed us the toxicology report, which is the day after the autopsy, um, they had a lot of it blacked out, and they just showed us those three things. And I know I recognized the Celexa, and I recognized the caffeine. I didn't recognize the Darvaset. And I was sitting there, and I think I, I must have had red flags going up in my subconscious because Detective Ed Guidros looked at me and said, rather accusatorily, you look like something's wrong. You look like something's not right. And the way he said it to me came across as, you look like you're not believing us. And I still had no idea they were lying in the front of my mind. And so I just said, I don't, I don't know. This is all, I had so many red flags going up, but I believed them 100%. We all did. Yeah. No reason not to. I said, until they allowed us back in the trailer. And then there's this spot of chocolate syrup. Real quick, I'm going to interrupt again. I'm sorry. 
It's okay. Yes, I, yeah. I, I drive my wife crazy. You leave. The, no, no, no. The, the, I, I'm not trying to leave. You I know just, what we're I, but doing. I have, I have some questions. Okay. The, um, so you go in, they show you the toxicology from the autopsy report, which, y'all, that would have been a preliminary toxicology at best. Usually they draw it from the urine uh, um, with a, a needle and they put it on the board and what shows up positive, shows whatever it doesn't matter. Maybe they had, I don't believe they can get the full toxicology done in a day, mm-hmm. uh, um, especially if they send off tissue samples or whatever. But that day, when they tell you that, and he says, you look like you don't believe me, um, how did that meeting end, or what, what else did they say? Man, I love that sound, and it makes me smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business, so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. When I started this podcast, we were only selling t-shirts. And today we're selling everything from mugs to plaques to lights, t-shirts to bags, you name it. And I'm not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever path. We use Shopify, y'all. They took over store problems, if you will. They're not problems anymore. Shopify has the tools and the resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Like mine, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed report and conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility Powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash R-L-R-C, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-L-R-C right now. Shopify.com slash R-L-R-C. That was basically everything that they said. They said um, there were no other injuries. They told us that, that there were no other injuries and that the coroner had called my mother's death an accident that he had declared it an accident. And so we, we wrapped up the meeting. Um, we left and let the rest of the family know and planned the memorial and moved forward. She wished to be cremated. That was always her wish. And she was cremated the day after that meeting on Tuesday. And we had her memorial Wednesday. I didn't know why, but in between Monday and Wednesday, I'm watching everybody, everybody, you know, her ex-boyfriend that she had moved out there for. I've got my eye on him and every man, I think, around. I was watching, but I didn't know why. 
after the memorial, when my uncle Tommy did not show up and he didn't call us, he he hid. That's when I realized something's wrong. Something's not right. And I had a friend, just like my mom, I had a friend who was a police officer. I had quite a few friends who were police officers. And he said to me, this doesn't sound right. And while he was calling the crime lab to see what he could find out, I called the coroner, Dr. Kellerman. I wanted to know, did my mom suffer? Did she know that she was dying as she laid there? Uh, I wanted to know what she experienced. And he said, after the blows to her head, death would have been immediate. Blows, a plural. And right then I realized she wouldn't have been able to stumble and drag herself to the back if death was immediate. And then he told me, the police lied to you, and they came to me, and they tried to strong-arm me into changing my findings from homicide to accident, and I refused. And this is Dr. Kellerman? Dr. Kellerman. And he's the? Coroner for Poinkapee. He's passed away now, but he did... He did come to court for me years later, but we'll get to that. Um, So he told me that, and I knew I I was facing an issue. And then, of course, my friend who was the police officer called me back and said, the crime lab said this is being worked as a homicide. (sighs) But y'all had been told in that. An accident. An accident. So certainly I have no direct knowledge because I wasn't there. But if the coroner tells you that, and I wasn't there when he told you this, but if he tells you blows, plural, now let's, let's talk about that for a second. If you are making yourself some ice cream and you slip, I guess it's possible. I mean, you slip and you hit your head once, then you're going to get up again and fall and hit your head and then somehow make your way naked to the back bedroom or wherever it was. Hit your head a third time. Was it a third time? There's a very linear, I don't think it was a hatchet. I just don't know how else to explain it. It looks like a blow from something linear on her forehead. And then her subdural hematoma was back there. And then she had a blow on the side. Okay. And and for the people that don't know, I had, I was an unfortunate recipient of subdural (laughs) hematoma and fractured skull from a bottle to the head. And the, uh, that is subdural hematoma is the bruising of the brain in it's bad. Either they have to relieve the pressure or in my case, because it was diagnosed so much later, um, the brain will re- either reabsorb it or it won't. Mm-hmm. So blows. Tell me about the blows again. So a uh, very linear, almost like a cut right on her forehead from the hairline down to right above her eyes. So pretty, pretty significant something. Very significant. And then you're saying straight up and down. Straight up and down, just like you would whack with a knife. I don't I don't have right. any idea what could have caused that. But the back of her head had the subdural hematoma, and then the left had another blow. She also had broken ribs on each side and a collapsed lung. And she had um, defense wounds all over her. Covered in blue. Hands and elbows. <clears throat> she looks like she's been through a rock tumbler. She has strange markings on her back, strange bruises that look like they're skipped. Um, that I mean, you you need to be an expert to understand what all this is. But this is a lot, y'all, and we try to eat this elephant one bite at a time. The coroner tells you, and this is really important. The coroner tells you someone came out and tried to strong arm him into, or try to get him to change the story 
from accident, from a homicide to an accident. Right. And he said no. Correct. What do you do at that point? At that point, I I realized I had been lied to, and I figured, you know, my uncle Tommy, who is a police officer, hasn't shown up or hasn't shown his face, hasn't called. It seemed obvious in that moment. And I knew even then that just because it's obvious, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's happening. And it was very hard for me to believe that that is what was happening. Even even with it right there, it was still hard for me to think that the police would lie to me to protect another police officer. It was still so hard to absorb. So I looked for someone to turn to. And I had heard about ADA Clayton through the Derek Todd Lee case, like everyone else. Um, ADA, this assistant district attorney, Tony Clayton. Right. At the time, he was mm-hmm. assistant district right. attorney. And, um, you know, I fit the description of Derek Todd Lee's victims when that was happening. So I was very in tune. So I thought maybe maybe he would care about the victim's families and maybe he would be able to address the fact that the police had just lied to us. Um, so I prepared and I called him up and I was shocked to find him already aware of the case. I didn't know at that time that he had responded to my mom's crime scene, that he had come there after they found her body. I, I had no idea. And he was very belligerent and angry when I explained to him that I found out that the police had lied to me. He called me a conspiracy theorist. He called me crazy with grief. He told me that my mother died. Is this on the phone? Yes. He told me that my mother died due to the way that she lived her life. And I said, how can you possibly come across, excuse me, but how can you come across a naked dead woman and assume accident? And he said, I was the one who said accident. I told them to treat it as an accident. And I said, where did you get your MD? I thought you were a JD. And he hung up on me. Okay, let me ask you this very serious um, conversation that you're recalling. This is what you heard. Naturally, I wouldn't assume that you would have a recording of it because you wouldn't think that you need to because you're calling in as a concerned citizen. I have recordings that I would prefer to release after he lies about it. Okay, no, no, no. I'm, I'm asking specifically that day. I'm, I'm explaining just why. I mean, nobody would think if you're calling someone for assistance, you didn't think you need to record, to record anything or anything like that. Well, the police had just lied, so yeah, I didn't yeah. know who to trust. Right, um, no, 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 no. You didn't record it. You, you stated that. You called him because his reputation in the Derek Todd the serial killer case, and you believe that he would be interested yes. in this. Yes. And, and what I'm saying is there is no recording of it. And I'm not. It's not. I'm not saying this wrong. Right. No, I'm, I'm explaining it in a way that hell, I wouldn't have thought to record him if it was my family member, right? right. And the, the because you're reaching out to try to help, but this is what you're saying. He told you, yes, and and I just because I'm processing it myself. Can you tell me, to the best of your recollection, what you saying that Tony Clayton told you? Yes, uh, anger. He was very angry. So you call him up and you say, "Hey, I'm um, Catherine Simpson. My mom was Kimberly Wilmot. She was murdered in Point Capi. I don't know if you're aware of this case." And he, yes, yes, I am aware of this case. I was at that scene and I was shocked instantly. And I explained, well, the police just lied to me. I spoke to the coroner, and um, he he told me that I was crazy, that that would not have happened, and that it didn't happen. And uh, 
it was an accident. The coroner was wrong. My mom wasn't murdered. Um, That's when you said, you're where not did you MD. get your MD? Right. Yes. Um, and he said, you heard him say she died because of the way she lived her, her life. Yes, due to the way she lived her life. What, which, is it, what, what does that have to do with slipping in chocolate syrup? Oh, that's a good how question. Did, how did you live your life? Why didn't I think of that? Why no, no, I, I mean, that? I, I'm just coming from my mindset. I'm just mm-hmm. you know, again. I don't have any direct knowledge of your conversation with Tony Clayton. I'm going off what you're telling me, and certainly I believe you. You said he hung up on you. He did. He hung up, and I was, I was in a state that I'm. I'm 42 years old now, and I've never in my entire life been in a state like that since or before. It stung. It stung so deeply to hear the people in charge of my mom's, of investigating my mom's murder, didn't care, didn't care, and and were not going to do anything. It stung. I felt so unimportant, and I I felt like I was just this piece of trash being pushed to the side. My mom and I were this piece of trash being pushed to the side. We don't matter to anyone. It was devastating. I I was so impacted. I snapped. I think people say they see red. I saw white. Everything Mm -hmm. was just white. And I was only marginally aware of what my intentions were. But at that point, I had found that my Uncle Tommy was married. I knew then. um, I had looked it up on the Internet, and I had found that his wife was a private investigator. And I had the address to what I thought was her office, and so I got in my car after I after Tony hung up on me. I got in my car and I drove to what I thought was her office. It would turn out to be her home. They ran she ran her office out of their home. And I just went flying in and, and put a picture of my mom in front of her. And I said, Do you know this woman? And she was very blank. She had a great poker face for some crazy girls who have just come flying into her house and I'm at the kitchen table. She had a really very good solid face. And um, she had me prove the involvement between my mom and my uncle Tommy first, uh, which I did through the trip to Lake Charles. I knew about that. And she checked credit card statements and, you know, what a private, what a private investigator would do (laughs) with that information. And she told me, well, here's what we're going to do. You fill out paperwork as though you have hired me to look into your mother's case. And when Tommy arrives home tonight. I will present him with this and ask him what he knows. I thought this is a good plan. And I couldn't sleep. I didn't live maybe two blocks away from them at the time. Was somebody with you? No. No, I just, I snapped. I wasn't planning on doing that. It just happened. Uh, I couldn't sleep that night thinking about what was going on over there. And I couldn't wait to speak to her the next morning. Um, I called her. I called her and she said, Her tone, her tone sounded, she sounded pained, but sympathetic. And she said, I can't talk to you anymore, but best of luck to you. It wasn't mean. She wasn't ugly. She sounded scared, but that was the last time I spoke to her. Um, I heard tell that my Uncle Tommy went up to Tony Clayton's office and kind of threw a fit that I had done that. Can't prove that happened, but... Um, yeah, let's, let's on, but you, you can continue. Yeah. This is certainly your story, but on, on the, 
because you can't prove one way or another, and it, and it doesn't. The, the thing is, uh, the overall outcome of it that wouldn't change your mama's murder, right? right? So we'll, we'll, when they don't try to filter it, I, I'll tell you if, if if something like that comes up again, just you tell your story and keep going. Okay. How many of you wish there was a better solution to paying off your debt? My sponsor, PDS Debt, has customized 0% interest options for anyone struggling with credit cards, personal loans, medical bills, collections, or any other type of debt. Because of the tough year from COVID-19, certain types of debt can now be reduced and in some cases completely eliminated from your credit. There are more options now than ever before to take control of your debt and the experts at PDS Debt can help. PDS Debt is giving our listeners a free copy of their credit report just for completing the 30-second online debt assessment at pdsdebt.com slash R-L-R-C. You'll receive a full breakdown of all the interest you shouldn't be paying each month and multiple options on how they can help get rid of it. If you're making payments every month on your debt and your balances aren't going down, this program is for you. PDS Debt rolls all your payments into one low monthly payment based on your budget and what you can afford. Everyone with over 5000 in debt qualifies and there's no minimum credit score required. Bad and fair credit accepted. Save thousands in interest and fees and pay off your debt in a fraction of the time. PDS Debt is offering free credit reports to our listeners just for completing the quick and easy debt assessment at www.pdsdebt.com slash R-L-R-C. That's pdsdebt.com slash R-L-R-C. Take back your financial freedom today by visiting pdsdebt.com slash R-L-R-C. So I spoke with her. And she said, I can't talk she to you. She said, anymore. I can't talk to you anymore, but good luck. And after that, I, I actually turned back to the Point P Sheriff's Department. Mm-hmm. I knew that they were doing an investigation because after I spoke with the coroner and after um, my friend called the crime lab and found out it was being worked as a homicide, Point P Sheriff's Department did ask me to come in um, the next week. And who was that? Do you remember? Detective Robillard, Detective Ed Guidros, and um, I can't remember okay. the third one. It's okay if you can't remember that. All the truth is all we want. Sure. Okay. They did call me in to say, they thought they were going to surprise me, I guess. They called me in and said, we just want to let you know that your mother's case is being worked as a homicide. And the whole way there, I thought they were calling me in to tell me who had killed her. I'm expecting this to happen any day because when someone's murdered, you know, you see it on the TV and then someone gets arrested. I was waiting for that arrest. The whole drive out there to Point Capi, I was like, they're going to tell me who did this. They're going to tell me who did this. And I got there and it was just, we admit it's a homicide. That was it. That was it. That was everything. Was there any press coverage? No. At the time, we didn't have a death certificate. We didn't have the autopsy report. I mean, like... 
the Tony Clayton or nobody or she, the no. sheriff didn't come out and say, hey, no. we're working a homicide happen in, in Point Capee. Anybody have any tips or whatever? The no, they kept telling us they were going to put it on Crime Stoppers and never did. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So but that day they call you back in and this is what, how long approximately? About one week. About a week after. And they say, hey, your mama's case is being worked as a homicide. Right. And what do you say? I said, I know. And they were angry. They were furious. The friend of mine that had called the crime lab ended up having to go down there and explain himself. Um, So that's document. It should be, yes. Um, I said, I know. And they said, how do you know? And I told them the coroner had told me. Um, And it was a very short, it was a very short meeting. We talked about possibilities of who it could be. And, and. What do you remember about that? Um, there was uh, there was a manager at my mom's store where she worked that we were a little bit suspicious of. The people within my mother's immediate inner circle is who was talked about. Um, yeah. You know, neighbors, best friends, right. coworkers, immediate circle. And, and when um, you say they were talked about, they they brought up the names to you, or, or were they, did they ask you names? Or? No, they kept everything very close to the vest. Mm-hmm. When I uh, shared a couple theories, I could tell when I hit something because the room would go silent and they would stare at the floor. There was a lot of a lot of exchanging looks between them. So when I hit on something, I could tell because they would all look at each other and. Um, exchange glances, yeah. but nothing let me, specific. Let me, say, let me say this: the and because I, I told you I'm going to be brutally honest with you, the I get where you're coming from, and I get that you're there, and you think you're going to get an arrest, but then it, they admit to you at least that it's being worked as a homicide, and you say I know, and they're like, how do you know? And your friend ends up getting in trouble later on, called in later on, whatever. But then you tell them about the corner. But the like being in the room, if I'd have brought you back in, uh, you know, if they're looking around, that's the, you know what I mean? That could be anything. Right. Right. And, then, and I understand what your perception is, but just, and all due fairness, the, that could mean anything. Absolutely. So the, um, all right. So, how does that meet in the end? Um, on a friendly note, there there weren't very many specifics covered except for a couple of people that we talked about. Um, but it was a short meeting, and it ended on a friendly note. Um, joking. They were joking around with me as I left. Okay, and what happens next? Um, I, I called them because I realized after they released the scene to me that the puddle of chocolate syrup they said she slipped in. There was a puddle of chocolate syrup. But it was intact. Okay, yeah. Well, let's go, let's go back. You, I got to pick it apart. I'm sorry. Oh, I sure. keep interrupting you. You say they released the scene to you. When did that happen approximately? That happened the day of the autopsy, I believe. Yeah, it wasn't. So, so before, wasn't very before long. you meet and where they told yes. you. So yeah. they released the scene to you. Uh-huh. All right, let's go back to that day then because I want to do try to do it as chronological as we can. They released the scene to you. The, you walk up. And it was a trailer, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So you walk up the trailer. You tell me what you see in your mind's eye. What happened? I can tell you. Yeah. Okay. So you Just walk take, in. Hey, take your time. And, and this is it's so important. 
and I just want everything. I don't want somebody coming back and saying, well, they, you know, this and this or whatever. I want Catherine Simpson's best recollection and, and truth. Okay. So they release the scene to you and, and naturally, exactly. naturally, you know, like family members are going to respond. So y'all go happens and tell me what you see. You walk in and her kitchen, there's the front door and you have her living room and a kitchen to the right. And instantly when you walk in the front door, you notice that the, in the kitchen, there's two big wicker chairs and one of them is turned over and there's a glass plant stand that is turned over and shattered and there is chocolate on the floor and there's blood on the floor and, um, Ice cream in the refrigerator. How, mu- how much blood on the floor? Not much. Just a few little drops. drops. Just enough to notice that there was some smears and some right. drops of blood. And um, her her living room seemed basically normal. Her pistol was laying on the night st- on the end table in the living room in plain sight. The first thing that crossed my mind was, wouldn't they pick that up? That's how if we, they were investigating. That was the, the house. First, but, Do you know if the blood? Was ever tested for DNA? No, nothing was ever tested. We figured that out when we saw the the gun okay. she's referring to. They didn't fingerprint the scene. They didn't spray for luminol. They didn't collect evidence. They didn't do anything at all. Nothing. Okay. And when okay, so y'all go back in, pistols in the living room. Damn, mm-hmm. the thing. You see an overturned chair, a broken plant. You see some drops of blood mm-hmm. because I'm a old homicide guy. The I wanted to talk about the droplet skin. So there, are they like fat, round droplets? So it's like it's dropping straight right, down. Right. Okay. That's important to me to get a picture. I'm trying to picture picture the residents in my head. So that's overturned. The syrup on the floor, there's no Undisturbed. foot marks. Undisturbed. So it's just a puddle of syrup. Yep, right. What was the canister for the syrup still there? There were two bottles of chocolate syrup on the floor. One had... The you know how the top screws on right. that was across the room. It looks like perhaps it had just blown off of it, and then there was another bottle on the floor. So there were just two bottles on the floor of chocolate syrup. How big was the puddle? Eh, about this, not not very. Maybe not, what not is that? Long. About five inches across. Yeah. And no slip marks in. Do you know when y'all went out there that day? Was it sealed up and y'all had to take the tape down? Reason I'm asking is no, it wasn't. That somebody so. can say yeah. say that oh well, somebody and went in and cleaned up the puddle of right. that they slipped in, right? And that right. will be important. Okay, well, so later we'll, on. we'll get to the, yeah. then. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm ahead of myself. That will be important. Proves y'all that it's raw and unscripted. Um, all right, so we used a key. They gave us a key. What's the next thing you see? So you go down the hallway, and um, you pa- on the right, you'll pass up the back door entrance, and then you get to that back bedroom that she was found in. What I noticed, and to the left is the bathroom, what I noticed is that the bathroom door is off the hinges. And I can't tell if it's been torn off the hinges or if it was like that. When was the last time y'all, either one of y'all had been there before and seen the bathroom door on the hinges? I had never been there, had you? Um, she just moved there within the past yeah. three or four so months. So that it could have been off before. Correct. Yeah. All right, so but you're telling me what you see, bathroom doors off the hinges. And There's a large puddle of blood on the floor in the bathroom uh in the hallway in the between hall. the bathroom and the back door there's okay so now we're talking about a large puddle versus yes. some fat droplets correct the the any spatter you know do you, okay 
blood spatter, and then I had to get correct on that after all these years because I was calling it splatter, right? right. And then, uh, <laughs> even in all this public speaking, I've done everything else. But here's the deal. Blood spatter is if, if I strike you and tear the skin, the first blood that comes out is going to be moving at a slower rate than the next blood coming out behind it. The, the faster blood, because of this, has to come through the skin, right? The faster blood that comes out behind it actually hits that droplet and causes it to explode out, where that's where the spatter comes in. So when you see a large puddle of blood on the floor, if you don't see spatter on the walls or mm-hmm, anything, mm-hmm. that means that it would tell me that that person had laid there and, yeah. and blood had come out, but you didn't see spatter, meaning no. droplets, or small, fine droplets or big droplets on the walls or anything else. We did not see that, but they also did not spray for it to see if anyone had cleaned that up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we did not see that. We did see a large. Good point. Go ahead. It, um, we did see a large puddle of blood, and it had some smears in it as though either someone's hand had been on it or their foot had been on it. There were some smears. Well, if it's in the hallway, and people, I mean, it could have been a Canadian ambulance that taken her, your mama's body out or yeah. whatever investigators. That's why people get DNA. <clears throat> Excuse me. People get, that's why when you establish a crime scene, you put somebody at the door and nobody gets in until you work it and photograph it. And the, um, everybody that comes in has to sign off on it in case they're, that blood gets tested later on and it comes back to not be of your mother or whatever, then they can go back and test everybody that's at the scene and it's to take it away from a criminal oh, defense right. attorney. Right. So blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. And we, you enter her bedroom, and the first thing I noticed was that the bed was bare. The mattress was bare, um, which added to the weirdness of her just coming to lie down on a bare mattress. And I noticed the headboard was broken. The footboard. The The footboard. Because she was catty corner across the bed. And the footboard where her head was, the rail had split through the wood. I believe she was hitting, hit. All right, well, let's begin to have ourselves just a little bit. You go into the bedroom, but you see no sheets, Mm -hmm. no bedding. Which again, that could have been taken by the crime lab. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to the uh, the footboard has a break in it, but neither one of y'all have been there in there before to say whether or not that had been yeah. there before right. or not. And the headboard had something in it. Yes, what was it? There were. Uh, I wish I had the pictures. It looked like punctures or just um like like a fight had happened in there. Just right. uh, broken marks and hits and dents and just a few of them. Where it was a cheap, cheap footboard, cheap headboard, so that it was parts where it had just like split open, where you could tell it had been struck with something. Okay, and again, though, you don't know if that happened before right. or after. So that um, that day, y'all just what did you do? To, and we'll we'll we, stop it after that. Okay. We gathered her things to have a garage sale. Okay. We still. Um, we we gathered her things to have a garage sale. Okay, and you left the residence, right? Yep. I kept going back after after I found out that my mom had been beaten to death. How long? I kept. <clears throat> how long after they let us get her stuff out? Did they bulldoze the trailer? Oh yeah, and they bulldozed it right after. Okay, let's let's. So you get the stuff out. 
Mm-hmm. And then somebody came in and bulldozed. Mm-hmm. Who, who bulldozed? It? The owners, I guess. Okay. Obviously, we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg here. But, um, we're going to stop this one again. I'm going to pick up again. Stay tuned because you can tell where this is going. There's a lot of information these ladies have, and there's a reason the story is being told. And I'm Woody Overton, your host, Real Life Real Crime, the podcast, Real Life Real Crime announcements. Again, Patreon, convicts, thank you for your support. I could not be sitting here doing this with these ladies listening to another homicide case that hasn't been solved or no arrests have been made in. We'll say, we'll say it as that. If I didn't have your support, none of this is free. Okay, and, and so thank you so much, and it means a lot to me. Uh, I appreciate you. All lifers, I love you. You can't be a patron or convict. I get it. It's, I love you anyway, but please continue to like us and share us. And uh, certainly on this story, y'all, and I should have said it last time, this story needs to be shared with everyone. We need everyone to know about hashtag justice for Kim Womack. All right, so y'all share it, and I love and appreciate each and every one of you. The Real Life Real Crime Community app, y'all go download it for free from the App Store. I, I keep pumping it over and over again because I have so many different social media pages. Uh, Catherine Simpson had reached out to me on one, and I get requests to work these kinds of cases from all over the world, but I might get it in Instagram. I might get it in Twitter. I might get it in one or five or six Facebook pages, et cetera. And spend eight to 12 hours a day trying to keep up with social media. The real life, real crime community app makes it easy for me. People, if you want to get in touch with me, you can message me there. Plus it's just a ton of true crime stuff. If you're a true crime fan, go check it out. Um, Instagram at real life, real crime. Go check out what I post there. Some fun, pretty funny stuff, I think. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some. I forget all this podcast stuff I'm supposed to say, but tune in again for the next episode. Hashtag for Kimberly Womack. And if you, you Lopa, it was brought to my attention, and yeah, I never thought about this. Yeah, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. I always say, give the gift of life. Sign up to be an organ donor, right? But you know what? Do that, y'all, um, and talk to your family about it. In whether you want to do it or not, you know, if you sign up for it, tell them why you're doing it, right? And uh, so your family's not stuck with that burden one day when the, when you're dead in the hospital bed on life support and Lopa comes in and says, hey, can, you know, we can use their lungs or whatever. To, you know, we have to, somebody who's dying waiting on them and your family won't have to make that decision for you. That's pretty cool. So talk to your family members about it. Um, even talk to them about their thoughts on organ donor, Right. So you never have to make that decision for them one day. If you're a lifer from your country. China. China? 
from China. <laughs> if you're a life from China and you want to be an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. Go to lopa.org, sign up, give the gift of life. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?